Warning, the following podcast may contain language that some listeners may find offensive or confusing or intriguing. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the 3v3 podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Congratulations are in order. Congratulations for Connor Bedard for just doing anything and everything the NHL could ever want, like inventing the idea of a slot machine on the ice in Vegas, like getting a player to score two consecutive hat tricks in, in games, and for single handedly causing Jordan Martinook to score in the ninth round of a shootout that no one saw on the East Coast. But more importantly, thank you, Connor Bedard, for getting me my pride tape in a very fast fashion since they had oodles and oodles of orders this week. Thank you. I'd personally like to thank Connor Bedard for sending me my bonus early this year um, and, and also for addressing um, addressing the pothole on Westlake Sammamish Parkway that's been plaguing me for months on end. Um, anything you would like to thank Connor Bedard for, Cassie? No, I'm going to be ungrateful and say that it's about time he did everything he was supposed to do. <laughs> you know, I can't mean, argue with that. In, in a fashion, in a fashion, he is walking on water. Mm. Mm-hmm. In a fashion. In a fashion. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that uh, that that when when Mark Stone pulled the slot machine and it came up with three Stanley cups, they didn't do a cutaway to see Bedard's reaction on the bench, even though it was a completely different game that had already completed. Mm -hmm. I just think that was missing because we had been so preconditioned to just seeing cutaway shots of Bedard every time Chicago did something. And, you know, generally he wasn't on the ice for most of them. (laughs) <laughs> so Chicago scored a pretty goal and rather than focus on the celebration of the team on the ice, we had to see what Bedard was doing. And mm-hmm. I am thankful for that. I, I am, I am so truly thankful for that. <clears throat> Surprised they didn't cut away to him after Matthew scored the third goal in the first game, you know, just sitting on the couch, or whatever he was doing at that time what they need they they just need like a webcam focused on him at all times so that they can cut to him at any point in time during any other game just to see what his reaction is because clearly it's necessary is it though it it is cassie because you know the funniest thing in the world to me is he's been on national television twice as many times already as McDavid was in his first year in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Canada, U.S. broadcasting rights get in the way of the things like that. No, we we had a we had a U.S. national partner. Mm. It just happened to be that that national partner refused to show any Canadian team unless that was literally the only game on the night that they had to the Wednesday night rivalry of, you know, the infamous Wednesday night rivalry of Ottawa and Columbus or Ottawa and Arizona. And they love that Chicago team too. You know, I really, I really appreciate how the NHL managed to schedule Chicago doing the grand tour so early in the season, you know, starting off with 
with him versus Bedard versus Crosby. And then moving on to what was the next one? Montreal Hockey Night in Canada. And then they're going to Toronto. I'm missing one. I think there was a game in there somewhere, the like New York or something. Just doing the grand tour of, of like starting off the season so that everybody can like see how wonderful he is. It's like a miracle that that, that schedule actually happened that way. I just this is this is gonna be the Connor Bedard hot take show for me. <laughs> Um, I I am not someone who has not seen this young man play uh, a number of times. I'm talking like a number of his WHL games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've mentioned it before in passing and, and in conversations with other people. It sort of hit me last night. He is very, right now to me, he is very reminiscent of the young pitcher who has an unbelievable fastball. And that's what gets him noticed. Oh, we haven't seen a fastball like this since Randy Johnson or, or Nolan Ryan or, you know, he's he's throwing up in the hundreds consistently and arm strength and, you know. It, it moves around and it's just, you know, pit, hitters are unable to contain it. And, and then that pitcher gets into the major leagues and goes around to the league once and has a fair amount of success. But the second time everyone's got him figured out because he's a one trick pony mm-hmm. because all anybody wants to talk about with him is his shot. And it is a beautiful shot. But when you can get it off, that's exactly it, Pat. That's exactly it. Um, it's what carried him through the WHL. I've mentioned it before here, and I'll say it again. He's going to be a fantastic NHL player. I just have an issue with the whole generational thing. I don't see the speed. I don't see the vision. I don't see the hands. I see a shot on a very good player. I mean, this is, you know, he's, Patrick Kane land, right? He's got a Thank little you. bit of that. Thank but, you. So he, he's good enough to win a Calder. Yeah. But he's not the second. He's not a post. He's not a first or second team all-star type player yet. He could get there he could. in a couple of years, but he's not there yet. If he pots more than 25 goals this year, I will be absolutely gobsmacked. Well, you know, like I was telling you guys, what, a couple days ago, that um, most rookies, especially like young rookies, tend to come on strong and then fall off the face of the earth by like the all-star game. So if he can like manage to play and stay visible all season long, good for him. But otherwise, that's kind of my expectation. Yeah, it's a, you know, they can train for it all they want, but NHL is a complete different animal. I don't care how many whl games you've played in a season you know we all understand that that is a completely different animal as far as physical requirements and mental requirements too well it's it's also what you were saying patrick is that everyone will figure him out by then and he's not a big guy he didn't bulk up for the season nobody like many rookies don't because nobody tells them to like and you know it's usually the following summer that 
they get an exercise like routine so that they do bulk up, but he's not a big guy. And, you know, it's, he's being hit or, you know, hit by like huge men and he's just gonna be figured out by the by January. Everyone's gonna know what he does and he's just gonna be ineffective after that. I mean, he might have his his moments of brightness here and there, but like I said, by and large, most rookies, they tend to just disappear second half of the season. Yeah, the most telling thing to me in watching the games is nobody's backing off of him. Nobody's afraid of him. No one's that first season, him. and I'll use McDavid that's, as that's the benchmark. Like, in, in hockey well, parlance, that's he's, the thing. I'll, you know, I'll refer to McDavid's first season. He backed people off. All it mm-hmm. took was, I think, one or two times of him just walking people, and everyone was like, ooh, okay, so this is for real. And then from that point forward, everybody gave him an extra step or two in their gap. Because they knew he'll make you look stupid. Um, I've not, you know, there's that, okay, let's see what you got, kid. And he's not done anything to institute that fear because I don't think it's part of his game. I've never seen him demonstrate it to that degree. And everybody's, you know, not everybody. There's a lot of people who are going to point back to that one goal in the World Junior Championship late in the game. You were, where he kind of danced around the, the defense while that defense had been out there for like a two-minute shift, you know, and they were exhausted. So there were some people that were kind of scraping behind and he did some great moves. I'm not denigrate. I, I don't want to like, you know, I'll clean my urine before I put it in your Cheerios. I'm not going to piss directly in your Cheerios, people. I will go through a, 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 a Fremen filtration system but it's still from the same point of origin. Okay. Um, I just, he's, he's Patrick Kane. He's going to be a fantastic player. Mm -hmm. And when he figures out how to modify his game and continue to develop his skills, he'll continue to grow. I just am sick and tired of the whole. And I, and I knew it was coming. You it know. happens every every single first round pick that shows a glimmer of like any ability in their first couple NHL games. Everybody's just all over that like well, bandwagon. No, they they were all over him before he even did anything because of the numbers he was putting up in the W. Right. Right. I mean, that was the pre hype. I mean, Alexei Lafreniere. You know, basically, if you said that he was a first round pick, people would be like, "Huh." Because you never heard about him. Now, granted, that was during the whole COVID thing, too. So that didn't help. And he was in the queue. Yeah. Yeah, but they kind Where of... everything is given the slanted curve. Yeah. Unless you're a goalie. Because, well, I, yeah, actually, even that doesn't matter anymore. Because they aren't. Yeah, breathing. it doesn't matter That's anymore. A, because you can think back to Nathan McKinnon. Like, he, not even he got that free pre draft buildup for a number one overall pick. Crosby got a little bit of it, but that was also the season before he was drafted. They didn't have a season. Yeah. Well, that actually, that actually inflamed That worked it. in his benefit. Yeah, I was going to say that inflamed it a little bit. But, I mean, even then you saw those aspects in Crosby's game. You knew he was going to be an incredible player. Right. Yeah. If, if for nothing else, just, you know, his sheer work ethic at that age. 
And we knew about McDavid since the time he was 13, 14. Because and I think the hype was building until the lottery balls were drawn. Because, and again, I'll keep saying this, because he demonstrated that he was scary. I mean, he he wasn't doing things that were just great for the OHL, right? He mm-hmm. was doing things that were just like outside of the boundaries of what anybody had seen in the OHL. And, you know, um, Bedard putting up crazy scoring totals, you know, hasn't been done in the WHL in a, in a while, consistently. Um, good on him, you know. But that's also against WHL talent. That's also against, you know, WHL defenders and goaltenders, you know. Yeah. It wasn't just that McDavid was scoring. It was how he was scoring. It wasn't just a gorgeous shot. It was he was walking people. Isn't it funny that his first NHL goal had to be that wraparound? It's not even that, you know, not right position. Incredible right drag release that we kept hearing over oh, and over about. Which is just, it's a derivative of Matthews, right? Yeah. Matthews was really the first one that highlighted that at that level. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's the one-trick pony. And I do, you know, it was the right place, you know, smart kid, good vision, great passing, you know. So we use Patrick Kane as the example. Yeah. He could be like Jack Hughes, but with just a higher point total in his first two seasons. Potentially, yeah. I think his team's going to let him down. Chicago? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh, who would have thought? I know, right? Oh, my goodness. I mean, Jack Hughes, first season in the NHL, last place in the division. Next season, seventh in the division. His third season, seventh in the division. And, oh, hey, you made the playoffs. Good for you, kid. Boy, is he looking and then good. He goes and, and then he goes and hits goalies upside the head. Oh boy, has he not looked good though? Yeah, yeah. I, there's a slow burn coming for Bedard. Um, when he when so he here's my it. question then: Do you think that Bedard? I mean, not right now, obviously, has potential to carry a team, or do you think he's just going to be a really good? key player on a team that needs more than just him. Because let's look at, again, let's go back to McDavid, right? McDavid carries the Edmonton Oilers. And, you know, he has help from Dreisaitl, certainly, but he's the guy who carries the team and has since he got there. I don't see Bedard being that guy. Crosby needed Malkin. Gretzky needed Messier. Taze needed Kane. Mm. Messier needed. I think Messier needed Gretzky more, but well, uh, the point still stands. Yeah, you know, Gretzky without Messier wasn't going anywhere. Um, you know, Kane without Taze wasn't going anywhere. Uh, Crosby without Malkin 
wasn't going anywhere. So I, yeah. I, I think, I mean, even that first year in Edmonton, as as much as he was carrying them, they didn't really start to take off until Dreisaitl was um, popping off permanently in the NHL, not being bounced around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you always sort of look at those tandems throughout history. You know, um, Bergeron needed Krejci, you know, type thing. And then he got Marchand and then he got Mar- Pasternak, you know. There's there's always sort of something to be said for that tandem. And it doesn't have to be center-center. It's just you need someone else. Like you've got two shoulders, right? You need someone you need else. Someone else to carry the load. You need someone else to balance the load, to a, a little bit. And I'm not talking a massive amount, right? In some cases, you know, one guy can be the driving force. But I always say, top six gets you in, bottom six gets you wins. When it comes to the playoffs, you can have a fantastic top six, but. If you don't have a bottom six that can contribute and play at pace, and you're not really going very far in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So McDavid had to learn how to get other players up to his speed. In those moments where he he knew he probably shouldn't, you know, drag them kicking and screaming. You know those moments after he does the first full loop in the offensive zone and then slows down to draw the defenders? Um, God, Matthews does that to a certain degree, but he he doesn't drive a team. No. He can take over moments in a game. Crosby learned how to basically pick up third-line players and make them first-line talents. Yeah, that's... Much quicker than I think anyone... I don't. I, I see Bedard more in the Matthews camp of good player can play with other good players and they can form a formidable line. But he's going to have to adjust a lot of things if he wants to, you know, find your Mark Flibbits and Buzz Donks. Your Buzz Donks. I, and he has to do so it on his own because no one's going to coach him. <laughs> well. So, I mean, he might get, like, teammates who will coach him, but he's not going to get coaches to coach him. <laughs> which is why they surrounded him with Corey Perry and Taylor Hall and Tyler Johnson and all the people that are going to end up being his coaching staff in a couple of years anyway. <laughs> hmm I mean, Warren Reichel's not going to be the next Jake Gensel, but he's going to be a good player. Yeah, they're going to need to build a lot. They're going to need to find the running mate. I mean, Lemieux needed Yager, right? You just, yeah. You kind of can really just walk through history and go, oh, they had two unbelievable players. And they had two unbelievable players, you know? And so on. So, so exactly. On. <laughs> you know, I, you can look at. Colorado needed a career season out of Nazem Kadri. Well, to give McKinnon a little bit of time and space, knowing that the real running mate was Makar. Let's be honest. Yeah. But that, that the timing that worked was, perfectly for them. That was 
that was such a distributed load team because mm-hmm. it wasn't just McKinnon and Kadri and McCarr. It was Taze, um, Landis Gog, Brandon, and then, you know, they're uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah. But their recipe is harder to replicate yeah. versus say what the Penguins did in the mid 2010s, what Tampa was doing. You know, Washington's a good example. And that's kind of what Bedard and the Blackhawks are going to be. They're, they might be a good team, but they're going to have to wait until all the pieces come together and just play their cards right. And Assuming they can figure out that they need another piece, because some teams just don't. They just let, I mean, Andre Kopitar kind of comes to mind. <laughs> just lets that one guy do that one thing and doesn't really figure out that they need like someone else. They just keep waiting for that guy to do that one thing. <laughs> the, Kopitar was the always interesting one because to me it was it was dowdy and quick, and Kopitar was kind of ancillary to that. Right, because they didn't really the the Kings didn't really get another get him a friend. Yeah, <laughs> get I, him a buddy. <laughs> well, they had they they did it with the, they did it with the complete you know distribution of balance or distribution of load across all four lines. Right, because they had to. Yeah, well, they did. You know, Kopitar, for as fantastic as he is, is not that line driver that that it player. But he no. could have been had he had I don't know Cassie. a friend I, to like help him out. The right guy, the right the right well, person. To it was a collection of of right players. Yeah. Like they had to bring in Richards and Carter. They had to, you know, get lucky and have a, a healthy Justin Williams for the first time in shoot five, six years. And have Brown start playing closer to his contract value. And then just a ridiculous run out of Jonathan Quick because they were as much offensive talent as those two Kings teams had. They weren't. They had to play the suffocating defense to win seven game series. They they couldn't outscore their their opponents, except for the Rangers in that one series. But hey, the Rangers. Sorry, Hank. <laughs> You tried your best. No one else tried for you or with you. <laughs> yeah, I. If anybody's wondering why, you know, what are we like three games in for most teams? Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and like panic analyze or do it. It's three games. Half these guys have still got rust in their boots because most of them didn't play during the preseason because. They their teams went out and got veteran players on the PTO so they could fulfill the NHL's mandate of veteran players during preseason games. Didn't want guys to get injured, which you know gives them a slow start during the regular season. So it's they they sort of found a way to circumnavigate things to where it kind of was like it used to be in the old days. You know, where the first 20 games of the season were generally players getting back into shape and getting up to speed. (laughs) 
Except they're not actually getting back into shape. They're just getting their timing back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's evolution, Cassie. They just lopped off one part of the process. Right. All right, I'm 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 gonna do it. I'm sorry. Okay, we were talking about running mates. No, you're not. You're not sorry. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> When's gonna Seattle gonna find their duo? Because it's like everything we've seen in these first couple of games, we could have predicted in some respects. Uh, high-scoring teams struggling to score goals. In other teams' cases, <sighs> they have their running mate for Beignet, as we like to call him. Just got axed all as their head coach. <sighs> How long was that extension? Anyway, two years. Like, uh... <laughs> yeah. Like other teams that have struggled out of the gate, everything makes sense. We can look at Edmonton. And it's just team defense. They could have that resolved by game 10. And they'll play a little tighter. And then the two running mates go on, you know, offensive runs. Nashville, well, they don't have a hot goalie right now. Vegas. They are getting the goaltending, so they've won three games. And Boston is Boston. Losing a couple players doesn't change their entire team structure the way everyone thought it will. When they go into slumps and they don't have those one, let's be honest, Bergeron and Krejci were centers two and three for that team. Neither of them were number one or number two centers anymore. And Tampa is Tampa right now. Life has caught up to them. Darn it. Time is undefeated. Mm -hmm. And winning 11 goal games thanks to one guy getting a hat trick is not sustainable, but enjoy the fake happiness, Toronto. Yeah, again, you know, like I said last episode. All their dreams will be crushed into dust by the end of November. But two teams I think there's hope for. Arizona and Vancouver. Are you high? No, I just wanted to see what your reaction was to that. Arizona, I'm sincere about. Are they making the playoffs? Absolutely not. Are they fun? Vancouver... Vancouver is interesting because those two games were just weird. You just summed up Vancouver. It's weird. People like to think Portland's weird. No, no. Vancouver's weird. Yeah, but they don't embrace it. 
unlike Portland, which you embrace it a little too much. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're... I mean, Arizona's at least moderately entertaining to see the kids. And the kids are driving some of the good play. Mm -hmm. Vancouver feels like a, a 500 team that's getting coached into playoff contention and they could sneak in but get absolutely steamrolled when you because of their lack of depth when you say coach i think we really mean browbeaten I, I well that would that would infer the coach has a brow to begin with and i just don't see it on talk it it's there i'm sure he's a man who looks like he has no eyebrows half the time to me that's because they're bare, they're furrowed in the skin of his forehead from him glaring at people. Oh, I thought it was just the terrible light at Rogers whatever arena. I can't keep the name straight of all those buildings. Well, just um, Edmonton. It looks like a it looks like a loo. It looks like a water closet, a toilet. So we just call mm -hmm. it Rogers toilet. And I still refer to the Vancouver places GM place. So yeah, thank yeah. you. Me too. The garage. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a coworker of mine had a question that I'm going to bring up to you, gentlemen. He's a Bruins fan, so of course it's a Bruins question. Is his name Sean? No, Damn. I keep telling you it's not. It's Scott. <laughs> Although, to be fair, he is technically from Connecticut. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, no. Anyway. At least he's not a so... skip, because that would be more Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> and she stepped on the ball. <laughs> no, definitely not. Anyway, so his question was, um, he was thinking about the point differential for the uh, Boston Bruins and how much worse they were going to be this year from last year in terms of the standings. Um, anyone would like, would anyone like to make a prediction on that? Will they, will they, <laughs> what was it? The record for it, I think, for dropping from one season to another was, oh gosh, I think it was like St. Louis or something and they dropped Went from 96 to 59 or something from one season to the next. I don't remember for sure now. I found it on so, the thread. <laughs> 45 points by the Flyers? Yes, yes, yes. That's what it was. It was the Flyers. They're not going to have that big of a drop off. I think we're talking 35 points. So there's still a good five losses away from, from that dramatic total. I think they're closer to a high 90, low 100 point team. They're not going to hit the heights anywhere close to last year, but no one expects them to. They are probably a 45-win team at best, which gets you in the playoff conversation. Mm -hmm. 
if one of their goalies gets injured, we can revisit this question. But for now... See, he's hoping for a huge drop-off because he wants Neely and Sweeney fired. And I just don't see it. I don't see that happening, even if... The only way that that could happen this season is if they didn't make playoffs, and that's kind of a long shot, I think. They'll make playoffs. Now they'll go deep in playoffs. That's another story entirely. But um, but I, I, think, I think Boston would have to have two sub, seriously subpar seasons in a row for Neely and Sweeney to even be considered to be fired. I mean, his consideration was it is the centennial year for Boston, and it would look really bad if they didn't actually do as well as they should. But even still, I don't kind of think that that gives him even more of a grace period. Yeah, I think I think it would take something catastrophic in the next three years for either of them to get bounced. And I don't know yeah. as if they'd end up going as a pair. No, I I could see Neely taking the fall and then I don't know. I mean, nothing came of the Mitch Miller thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And that was sort of widely regarded as a massive Um, expletive deleted. Yeah. So I think they're in Doug Wilson territory, Cassie. Yeah, I kind of agree. And that's not necessarily a bad thing for Boston yet. Uh, I think it's starting to become a bad thing already because where are they drafting? What are they drafting? Are any of those drafted players starting to come up? They They haven't been able to draft in more than a decade. And they haven't, they don't do like development at all. Their, their minor league team is just like a bunch of low level pits at this point. Which some of them will probably make their way up, Cassie. Those are your fillers, but you know, the swing and the miss and the bars all year, right? Love Jake DeBrusque, mm-hmm. you know, but whew, <laughs> oof, that that could have set the Bruins up for another ten years. That one draft alone. Mm-hmm. Talking about running yeah. mates, you wouldn't be having the center conversation yep. if they. Even if they didn't pick Barzell, there was a player there that could have fit in. Yep. That they could have developed under... Krejci and Bergeron. You would exactly. have that runway. They come in as the 3C. Maybe you let them play on the wing for a little bit with one of those guys. You had the runway. <sighs> Here's where things could go really off kilter for Boston. It's not during the season. It's whenever they are eliminated. Because half their team is UFA. I think they have six UFAs plus Jeremy Swayman to resign. Mm 
that's where they can either either go full Doug Wilson or I don't think they're in dig up stupid territory, but <laughs> they're really close depending upon a DeBrusque resigning because he's most likely to, to come back of all their RF or UFAs. Yeah. I mean, how long can they coast on the record breaking regular season? Thing, That's done. Right? They I can't mean, coast on it. The minute, the they, minute they, they were bounced, he couldn't ever talk about it again. Right. They're still coasting. Some of it is still coasting on the cup in 11. Yeah. I think it's as soon as Detroit or Ottawa decides, okay, we can do this for real and leapfrog Boston in the standings continuously. So are we talking December? Are we talking January? Yeah. Andre Vasilevsky going down with an injury might have been the best thing for the Bruins. That's because it's going to keep the pack closer together because I don't think there's any runaway team. Oh, God, you're right. There really isn't going to be a runaway team in the East this year. No, there isn't. Everything has come back down. I mean, unless unless New Jersey finds something. Because I think they'd probably be the only one, but they wouldn't run that far out ahead of everyone else. No. You know who I could honestly see it from is the Islanders. That team is that team is schizophrenic. It is. But given Columbus, Philadelphia, Washington. Uh, yeah. They all three of those teams. They have to go, kids go nuts. They have to score five goals in a game to get lucky. They're not doing that against an Islanders team. And the Islanders just have to force enough OT games against the other teams in the conference. So they're going to be that team that feasts on their own division to create the space against the rest of them. Potentially, because... I don't think New Jersey is making like a president's trophy run. I think they are two, three conversation. I think Carolina takes a step back, but they're just worried about getting in. They're take they're maybe taking that Tampa mentality. Although oof, they have some issues. Everything is up for grab in the East. You could tell me both divisions get four playoff teams. You could tell me the Atlantic gets five this year. All this is to say, all this kind of benefits the Bruins because there's no runaways. There's not the the top three in the Atlantic. I, as long as teams beat up on each other, it makes it easier to stay in the race. I love how we're just dogging Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> That's because we all know it's unsustainable and they're just going to blow up by like like February and we're done, you know? (laughs) Toronto could easily win the Atlantic, full stop. They could win the President's Trophy. And then they get Tampa in the first round again. Although, although they might beat Tampa this year. <laughs> uh, I would dearly love to see Toronto and New Jersey. Oh, dear God, yes. 
first round Toronto, New Jersey. Um, Vegas or Colorado for President's Trophy? And I don't think it's because they're chasing it. I think it's just going to end up being default. Neither. Yeah, I don't think either of them are going to get it. Did you... I think it's Dallas. I was going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say Dallas. I would have. I would honestly have to look at Dallas's schedule, but outside of Colorado, St. Louis Blues are kind of in that not quite schizophrenic place where we're describing a few other teams like the Islanders. You know, Arizona is going to run hot and cold. Winnipeg is going to be Winnipeg. Minnesota, we'll see. They just have to stay healthy. Oh, Minnesota's got to stop letting other teams score when they when they're rolling oh. up some pretty plays, <clears throat> getting some and getting yeah. some help for Kirill the dollar bill thrill. Man. God, he made a couple of moves yesterday that were just they were subtle, but it was just like, oh my god. Oh, just at the blue yeah. line trying to go into the offensive zone. Not him at full no, speed either. I know exactly some of the plays you're, standing, you're, you haven't even described. standing still with two defenders on him trying to keep the zone. Just a subtle touch, just a subtle touch, just a subtle tap, subtle pass to the, to the wide open guy. You know, just simple little things like that. Not even at speed, just wow. Um, but they seriously need... Somebody like Matt Dumba, huh? Kind of back there helping defensively because Brodeen was a ghost. And I'm not counting on John Merrill for much. So, Goligoski? Oh, mm. he. Spurgeon? Okay. I mean, he's fine, but. Yeah. <clears throat> they, gotta, they have to sort them. Swat. Yeah, watching Goligoski last night was mm. rough. Now that said, Brock Faber looks like he's catching up to NHL speed. He has the offensive touch already, but can he defend well? If not, they, you know, they could always go out and trade for Matt Dumba. <laughs> they could. <laughs> Do they have the cap space? Uh, they could get they could get everything uh, half the contract. <laughs> right now, they Money can afford laundering. they can afford half a minor league salary under the cap, but they'll well, find a way. There's somebody else they'll probably cash dump, and then yeah, Cassie, they might launder it. We'll see. Billy Garen's shown to be quite creative and resourceful with some of these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quite a bit more savvy than uh, I think anyone really expected of him. <laughs> well, I think the best thing he is doing is he is determining what he's willing to do. He's going out and just paying the price. He's not necessarily overly pay, overpaying. I, Look at the Matthew Boldy contract. I think he's doing it right. A deal is a deal is. I think both teams get screwed equally. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
And he figures out what what's his line, like how much pain can he take on? He takes it on, and then he works with the rest. He's not constantly trying to guess or or plan for the future. I think he's because he's already setting things in place. He doesn't have to guess about what next year's cap number is because he's already figured a few things out. Planned ahead? No. Not in the NHL. It's unheard of. A little bit, but he's, <laughs> you know, he's re-signing a bunch of guys in their 30s. Okay, mm-hmm. but lower cap hits. And then he's got Boldy, who's 22. Kirill's still only 26. And then you got Marco Rossi, who <laughs> small player, but he looks like he he does not give a hoot about Brendan anything. Gallagher was immediately who jumped to mind yesterday in watching that game. He just reminded me of yeah. Brendan Gallagher, just you know, the the old Warner Brothers cartoon with the small dog on the leash. Let me at him. Let me at him. Put him up. Put him up. <laughs> Not if they can just replace a few defenders year over year. Not Jordan Bennington scrappy do, but the genuine guy who will stand in there <laughs> and throw despite his size. You know. Uh Scrappy Do has been put on the shelf for the time being. That's why Bennington looks like a real goalie. Oh, that won't last long. And- Two starts. Yeah. You and I. <laughs> Two starts. Okay, we're we're warming up to that. <laughs> you and I and everyone else on the face of this planet knows it won't last long. What's over under? Fifteen games before Scrappy Doo comes out. It's pre All Star for sure. See if if players were from opposing teams were smart they would poke the bear and make that make scrappy do well, come out they, sooner rather they've than tried later. there's been a couple of them that have tried a little bit um a couple of the, a couple of the kraken players did try to have a little you know oh buddy bird's asleep poke 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 you know um mm-hmm. my buddy bird's asleep uh I think it, I think it, and I, I just because I don't think there is that hate of any of the Kraken players yet on by, you know, like hardly anybody hates the Kraken across the league sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if Vegas rolls into town and it's Mark Stone or Keegan Colasar, I think it's different for Bennington. Because it's a it's a it's a okay. turf thing mm-hmm. for Scrappy Doo, cousin Oliver. It's either going to happen next weekend when Pittsburgh comes to town, and Malkin goes full Malkin. We either see it now, or I think we're looking late. November, early December, when they have a back-to-back with the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, I think if there's anybody that'll do it almost instantaneously, it'll be Vegas. Marcheseau or Colasar or Stone or Carrier, any one of those guys that likes to just go park 
or sort of mm-hmm. be in and around taking slaps and kind of crowding the net. You know the uh, speaking of Vegas, the, the I still can't get over this whole thing, the whole thing. Literally going back to the start of the whole thing, where the NHL was adamant they couldn't have any gambling references in their team name, and then <laughs> they have their players signing or throwing out signed poker chips as part of you know signed stuffed poker chips as part of their three star celebration. And then they raise the banner by having their captain pull a slot machine. But no, no, gambling in the name. Now that's a step too far. Oh, God. Well, you know, we all know what the NHL step too far is at this point, right? Because God... NFTs, am I right? (laughs) God damn it all. That should have been the Vegas Jokers... And it should be the Penguins versus the Jokers in this in a Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. You get DC Comics on board, and you play in Madison Square Garden. To, exactly, you play in <laughs> Gotham. I would love to see James Gunn involved with the team. I think he could do wonders. Because God. Just everything else they do is makes reference to gambling, except the team name. Because you have the wrong owner. No, because the NHL told them they couldn't do it. No, no, they couldn't do it. But their Bill Foley was single track mind. It was knights of some kind, one way or another. He wanted to like honor. Yeah, I get. I get the whole black knights. Meanwhile, given that so many major film studios film in the state of Georgia. Okay. Mm-hmm. God damn, that was one of the hardest right turns I think I've ever had in this. <laughs> wow. You get DC Comics involved and look out. <laughs> The Okie Finokies are suddenly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the are suddenly like, you know, something? Is that what you're going with? <laughs> they could pull something together. I mean, they could still be the Jokers. It just doesn't have any relationship to anything in the area. Well, except for the politicians, am I right? Huh? 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 Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Waka, waka, waka. Where the hell were you? God, Pat, that was that was a handbrake turn, all of Fast and Furious. And this is a show that deals in non sequiturs. No. I mean, it's just it's just McDavid deciding. Oh, I can use two edges. Okay. Oh. God, is that ever glorious? <sighs> yeah, I thought you were um, leading towards Vancouver, and then you went to. You took that no. left at Albuquerque and went to uh, <laughs> <laughs> went to Atlanta. <laughs> one of, one of my one of my personal like 
you know, glorious things that I have done is I have actually taking, taken a left turn in Albuquerque. <laughs> so I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> there, there needs to be a T intersection somewhere in the city of Albuquerque. Um, that's literally like, what's up, Doc Lane or something? <laughs> Where you have to take a left or a right in Albuquerque. Yeah. Oh, God. I still just, what the hell are they doing with Shane Wright? (laughs) They don't know. They don't know what they're doing with Shane Wright, and that's pretty No, Francis (laughs) is slow playing it. However... He's not. He's letting his he's letting his coach like make the choice. Uh, no, Ron Francis is way more conservative a hockey man than uh, Hackstall is. We're just gonna see how quickly this season goes off the rails for the Kraken because it's on the verge based on what I've seen in six periods, more or I less. Expect a twenty point fall from them, honestly. Hmm. I think one of the Sharks or the Ducks will finish higher than them in the standings. Sharks, by pure dumb luck, because a goalie goes on a hot streak for like three weeks. Mm-hmm. And no, it's not the goalie who did a thing last night. I think the Kraken are going to be really streaky, and I think that uh, where they end up will depend on how many good streaks they have versus bad streaks they have. Because, <laughs> you know, we all know teams like that, right, where they can't be consistent if, you know, their life depended upon it, and they just they go on a five-game, like, rampage, and then they do nothing for ten games, and then they go back on a rampage for another six and you know I think they beat the teams they should beat and lose against the teams they need to beat if that makes sense exactly I think they'll yeah, right. right now we're, we're seeing the scoring regression which makes it impossible to beat the teams that you're supposed well, that to. they need to need, need to, to. Need to. Should. No, should is Arizona San Jose and Anaheim no, need I, to is St. Louis, Colorado, Vancouver. Oh my gosh, that St. Louis game was brutal. Ugh. There was preseason hockey that was more entertaining. And just the amount of times I saw both defenders between the boards and the faceoff dots. Yikes. Same side. Mm-hmm. It is Hackstall. It is. Two more years. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. That playoff run was the worst thing that could have happened to this franchise. Or the best, because hmm. it might end up getting Hackstall fired faster. No, because what... <laughs> I'm going to bring it back to Toronto because that's the theme of this sport. 
Um, remember when they went on that playoff run in that seven game series against Boston that one year? What happened the next few subsequent se- seasons until they decided to get Austin Matthews? Boingy, boingy. That's what Seattle could be in line for. Now, I think there are going to be a lot of mediocre teams that are going to limp through the season until they get to the off season where the you know sal or next season where the salary cap goes up and just like write off this season because they can't really they feel like their hands are tied and um, and just you know hang out until they can actually supposedly do something. And they think that's going to help. I know. Hockey man. I should know better. Of course, they think that's going to help. They think that that will like make everything all better. <laughs> I can spend my way out of this problem. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It's like we just need to pull out a. a a mediocre season where we're not too low and we're, you know, maybe we can squeak into playoffs and then, and then next season, it'll be different. Like, yeah, sure. It will be. (laughs) Are we talking about the Ron Francis hurricanes or the Ron Francis Kraken? Same GM with the same uh, GMing philosophy. So either but with but with different people above them. That that's the the one difference. But again, is it though? Is that really oh, the difference with him? <laughs> making a bunch of moves cuz he has no money versus being forced to make moves by people with money. Because Mr. Beignets is up for his contract extension very, very soon. Then you have guys like Wenberg and Eberly, who are probably not long for the team unless, you know, someone like Eberly takes a massive pay Which cut. he's probably at the point in a career he will. I think he'll I think he'll fill Castle himself. If if he does that because he still looks pretty good out there on the ice. Although, can I just say, it is weird seeing another player wear 14 for yeah, the Islanders. It, it, it's just very, it was very strange. <laughs> and I didn't know who it was, but I knew who it was half the time, and I just couldn't. Anyway, that defense, something's going to have to give with that core, because... Vince Dunn looks great. Whoever Vince Dunn is playing with and decides to skate immediately behind Dunn, uh, we'll see. Maybe Brian Dumoulin could be that aging veteran defenseman who figures it out, but he just switched from the East to the Western Conference. He's going to be on a yo-yo. So... We expect the salary cap to go up for the 24-25 season, correct? That's the rumor. Cassie, I'm going to name five names. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. 
Steven Stamkos, Elias Patterson, William Nylander, Sam Reinhart, Jake Kensel. Okay. Those are your top five UFAs. Who solves okay. your problem? For what Pick team? Pick them. If they're hanging, they're hanging their hats on you know being able to spend their way out of this. Well, I think if Stamkos doesn't get Tampa to resign him for what he wants, I think he goes to Toronto. I don't usually say things like that. I don't usually think that players will go back to the team that or go go back to their their home province or home state typically. But um Toronto likes to spend and he is an Ontario boy. And you know, I think that, that Toronto will be like, hey, yeah, we'll take him. But they can't offer him his number. I mean, in a contract, of course, they could do that. But they can't offer him his jersey number. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be a showstopper for him. (laughs) It's usually not for most guys. (laughs) They're not going to look at a team and go, oh, gosh, you can't give me my number? I don't want to play here. Sorry. Um, So should he choose the most? boring benign number or the wackiest looking number he can just to become that best player in Leafs history. Cause it only takes about 10 games to reach that status. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> and then it takes about 10 more to be the worst one or the most controversial one. <laughs> Shoot. He, you can do it in the same game. Yeah. Sure. <sighs> oh my God. Huh? Victor Mete is only 26. Wow. Only? It just seems like he's been here forever. I mean, even though he's not playing, but you know what I mean. I do. Sports ages are so weird. It's like you're ancient. You've got one foot in the grave by the time you're 30. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> I'm sorry, whole, you're not going to die until you're 80. Come on. <laughs> and the whole hockey aging curve was thrown on its side where – Players could play in their, like, good offensive producing NHL players could play into their mid to late 30s because it was the norm for a while. And then that went away because younger, cheaper, faster. Uh, younger, cheaper, faster. Whee! And, and lockout, which ended up to getting a lot of guys to quietly retire so that they could go younger, cheaper, faster. Well, it's because faster. salary cap came in and they weren't going to be just paying – Martin Lapointe, seven million dollars to play five minutes a game. Well, yeah, but also just a lot of those guys just couldn't or didn't want to stay in shape for a year on the off chance they could actually get a contract the next season. And now we're seeing the first group of the McDavid generation who have been playing, you know, firewagon hockey, but really just high speed, high pace, keeping their skating up and up and up and they could all do the Patrick Marlowe stick around forever because they'd never broken ankle. Never had a knee surgery. 
Uh huh. Never had hip surgery. Never strained an Achilles. Like McDavid's ridiculous rehab um, infomercial. I know, but it was still actually kind of cool. That, <laughs> it was awesome. And that's going to single handedly prolong his career because he didn't go and have surgery and dramatically alter something that he relies on. But <sighs> yeah, I'm. William Nylander was the answer to the question. He's about me. the only one, right? And it's just, where do you want to put looking, him? I'm cursory looking through the rest of the UFAs in the 24-25 season, and it is bleak. Tons of RFAs. Mm-hmm. Sure. But as far as pure UFAs go... Yeah. But it's not only p- he is that unique player. Okay, he's probably better on the wing. On different non-Toronto teams, he could be a center. He could actually I- I'm just going to go say it. he could fill different holes on different teams. He could be a winger for Matty For Benny. years, I thought he he could be the number two center when they finally decide to call up Shane Wright and let him play a year on the wing and then shift. Or, per what you were saying last week, Patrick, we just actualize and realize, eh, maybe Shane Wright's going to just be a ridiculously good winger in the NHL. Like all OHL centers. You won't know until you're playing at center. <clears throat> You won't know until you play oh, him, that. period. You won't know until you give him an NHL roster spot. I am glad they got whatever they needed to get figured out so that he could play in the AHL. Because, mm-hmm. god damn, the kid hardly played the last four years. Jesus. Yeah, this UFA class is woof. Now... The team doesn't have the money, wouldn't be able to do it. But tell me, William Nylander on Minnesota's roster doesn't make a ton of sense with young centers. Oh. Tell me a William Nylander in Los Angeles. Well, since they traded away most of their supporting wingers to get a malcontent, sure. But until you get rid of, please like my disposition. PLD. Uh. Does anybody... Victor Arvidsson and uh, let's see, Adrian Kempe. One leaves via free agency, one you trade. You can find the space. Carolina. The one thing that they really struggled to do. When things get hard, is score from right in front well, especially of them. Especially without Svechnikov. Especially without Svechnikov, but everything comes from the sides. And Nylander in these first couple games, he's he's coming in from the side and he is going hard to the net because he can ward off a defender because he's strong enough. 
and he's skilled enough to make a good move on the goalie. Scored one last night against Minnesota doing that. He almost had a second. But let's go nuts. Until Georgia gets their team. Logan Cooley, Clayton Keller, William Nylander. No, it's a dark suit moment. (laughs) Just because it's so stupid. It would be fun. It was like Mm -hmm. when we were sort of talking about, you know, putting Eric Carlson on the Oilers with McDavid and Drysaddle. It'd just be so stupid. You had to watch how stupid it was. It wouldn't. It, it wouldn't be great. And the fact that it it's stupid. Austin's teammate, Austin's teammate is the one that's going to Arizona. And do you remember what we, what trade we tried to will into existence last trade deadline? Oh, I wanted Horvat mm-hmm. on the Sabers. Given the way Buffalo plays up front, are you telling me William Nylander couldn't play center for that team? Should we will that trade into existence? (laughs) Tage Thompson's your one. William Nylander's your two playing with a Zach Benson, perhaps. With the Peyton Krebs. With any one. It's just any one of those young guys when Jack Quinn comes back. Oh, and would you look how much cap space do the Buffalo Sabres have right now? Hmm. A little over eight with, okay, a name or two coming off the roster next offseason. Oh, and look, they have a bunch of their young guys oh, already Owen. signed. Oh, that's the long-term deals. Deal. Oh, that's just going to be absolutely glorious in, the, in next year i'll say next year i don't think that's mm-hmm. one that's going to take a couple years i think i think that deal is going to look sparkling next year it's the jake sanderson deal but owen powers put up the same production yep. in like half the games and and before i know we're running hellaciously long don't care um Speaking of Ottawa and Jake Sanderson, looked good against Philly. I absolutely adored Michael Andlauer out there getting in with the crowd, throwing t-shirts and doing all the pump up stuff with him. Not just sitting in his press, not just sitting in his box, but like out there walking around taking selfies with fans and crap. And genuinely Mm -hmm. looking like he was having fun with it all. Because, man, alive, if there is any team that needed sort of that shot in the arm like that, it's Arizona. But behind Arizona, (laughs) it's Anaheim. But behind Arizona and Anaheim, (laughs) it's Columbus. But behind those three, then it's Ottawa. Mm Mm-hmm. He just looked like he was having fun. He really did. And I think 
um, the Canadian media has, I'm going to say, calmed down a little bit <laughs> on the Vlad Tarasenko. Yeah, hey, he bit. potted a goal. <laughs> he is perfectly reasonable for the contract for a single season. Yes, I know Debrinkat's doing Debrinkat things again because he's playing on a top line with a number state. one center. The in his home state, Province. wearing you know his favorite player Johan Franzen's number, but he's playing on the top line instead of being on the second line. He's getting the extra touches. Well, he's being looked to more. He's being looked to more, and hey, now they have a goalie tandem that might actually work for them. So they don't wear a Jake Sanderson down to the ground. They don't wear out Shabbat again. Oh, I don't know. Some coaches do like to run their their top goalies into the ground, um, looking at you, Tampa. But... Eh. <laughs> yeah, I still, that's still one of those. Uh, I think Vasilevsky's old school, like Waller Brodeur, and would be like, I'm playing tonight. You, you know, screw you, I'm playing tonight. I Vasilevsky was the meal yeah. ticket, and well, he. Yeah. I think it, I think it was more. Cooper, you're playing tonight, and Vasilevsky going, okay. Which is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I, we don't know, you know. Because Cooper Cooper has a tendency to ride his starting goalie yeah, into the Yeah, but Vasilevsky's pretty much only always been his starting goalie. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not like it's not like well, we no, have I mean, know, be- a vast history of him prior to Vasilevsky. <laughs> He, he, I, well, I, I, I watched I him in the I'm minors. Just, so. I'm, I'm, Cassie, you know I'm picking on you, right? <laughs> I know. I know. But, Patrick, I'm glad you brought up uh, Columbus a few minutes ago. Um, big win over the New York Rangers last night. Scored five goals. Getting some real big, impressive play out of certain players. Um, surprisingly, Boone Jenner, who I guess I never gave enough credit for for being a pretty decent NHL player. You know, he put up good numbers. Like, he was a 40, 50-point guy. Yeah, he's... You know, he put in a hat trick last night. Okay, so be it. But my God. Tenacity. I know. I'm sorry. Coach Pascal Vincent. Okay. Your captain got the hat trick last night. That's great. For the love of everything, whatever you want to pray to in Ohio. Um, could you please get Adam Giuliano Fantilli on the first unit power play? This has been the 3v3 podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3v3podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.